Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. People often wonder how they're going to survive winter. Survive? Winter is meant to be savored. If you've been merely surviving, come let us show you how it's done. The right way to winter is closer than you think in the Petoskey area of Michigan. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. It's time for episode 44 of the Back Check. Brendan and Stefan here as always. And a very busy week in the NHL. Free agency in July, the end of July. I don't remember a time like this where we were sitting in the middle of the summer and still talking about hockey like we are. So I can get behind that. Obviously, the expansion draft played a big part in the frenzy that happened. But Stefan, how you doing today, buddy? I know you got some funny hockey stories to take it away to start the epi. Yeah, I'm doing good. I think we should just make this a segment, you know, Stefan, <laughs> Stefan's Hockey Mysteries Wonders. But no, so I'm playing in a game, and in roller hockey, there's no offsides. People could hang in. When you're playing in, like, a low division of men's league, beer league, whatever you want to call it, you got guys that can't skate that just park themselves in front of the net. I was playing a game last week, and this guy parked himself in front of the net, and as I usually do, I mess with him. I'm legit punching him in the back of the in the top of his back with my glove, and every time I touch him, he falls face first on his, like, face every time. This happened about 20 or 30 times out of the game. He did not get one deflection. It came to a point where I literally told my defense, I said, don't even bother. He's not He's not going to be first if I could see. I got a cat eye. So now I could see everything clearer than I've ever been able to see before in goal. So I'm like, don't even bother guarding him. I got him. He's not blocking me. And the whole game, hitting him in the back of the back, of the back falling down, falling down, falling. This happened the whole game. He, didn't get, he had one deflection and it went wide. I'm just looking. I'm like, dude, at least make it hard for me. Like, he's not standing in my way. He's just standing there. Some of these guys just physically a, can't skate. I felt so powerful. I was abusing the crap out of this guy. And he just he just looks at me like he didn't say a word the whole time, not messing with me at all. I'm just legit hitting him and hitting him. I think I'm in the head a couple of times. I feel a little bad. But just, like, just standing there. Useless. They weren't even shooting it to, like, for the deflection. He just stood there. Well, and don't let that get to your head because the next guy you do that to is going to wind up. You know, turning around and clocking you right back. It just—I mean, I guess he did his job because at one point it just got annoying. I'm like, if you're not, if you're gonna at least stand there and try to do something, like you're just you're just annoying me. But uh, yeah, he didn't score. We won the game, but God, if you're gonna stand in front of the net, at, me, at least do some Sean Avery stuff. Keep it comical. He just stood <laughs> there like crazy. a cone. I literally said he's a cone, and he didn't even say a word. I, I was roasting him too and chirping him, like how bad he was and uh, nothing. He didn't say a word. Maybe maybe he was deaf. Could maybe. Be. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, a little, a little. we uh, we segue from your men's league adventures into the yeah. the real world of the NHL and a uh, huge week, right? I mean, just massive, massive change going on in the league and 
some teams did better than others, and, yeah, and I mean, some the Islanders have been doing so much stuff. It's kind of crazy. We can't yeah, keep track of all the we're, signings. We're going to talk about that later on. Like Lou Lamarillo is playing his usual year. cat and mouse game, seeing what's going to happen there. You, you like to give him the benefit of the doubt and think something's going to come up, which we all do. But at the same time, it's like you're kind of running out of options here. Um, but let's start with our favorite signings and our least favorite signings of free agency. And then we'll start to, you know, trickle in, go into some of the teams and some of the moves that happened, some of the talking points, like big Revo 7-5 coming to the blue shirts. Tom Wilson, you better be keeping your head on the swivel now, buddy. But so, Stefan, I'll toss it to you, right? Your favorite signing first. All right, my favorite signing, I think, is Pease Suter to uh, okay. Detroit. Just because, first off, he didn't get a qualifying offer from Chicago. What I was loving what Chicago was doing. I was like, oh my yeah. god! I know maybe they overpaid for Seth Jones, but their rebuild or whatever they wanted to do down there, you're gonna get tapes back, hopefully healthy. You still got Kane, you still got pieces. You got rid of Seabrook's contract. You know, you did great things this off season. How do you not bring back Suter? The guy was sick. You know, he came out of nowhere. He played great, and he signs a two year, six point five million dollar deal with Detroit. And speak of Iserman, the stuff he's done. First off, he competed with Lou to make sure no one knew who was being taken in the expand draft. They took a, a defenseman that they didn't really need. They got key pieces. I mean, this Detroit team should have a... I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs, but they, they, they're they going to have a much better year this year. My I have a, a lot of signings that I didn't like. You Probably have a lot, worst, really. The worst signing, I think, is Coleman to Calgary because I don't... Calgary, first off, Calgary loses their captain. They didn't really do much at all. Why are you going to give Coleman a six-year deal at $29.4 million? I mean, good for Coleman. He got paid, but... He doesn't make Calgary better. I don't think he makes Calgary better. I think he's a great player, but who's he going to play with? What are they going to do there? They're one move away, one bad move away, having to blow this thing up. And you already know Goudreau is probably not going to want to stay there long term. He's His name has been rumored. And I remember a couple years ago during the trade deadline, he took Calgary out of his bio just yeah. to mess with everybody. But, like, I don't know what Calgary is doing because that's not enough. That's not going to put you back into being a great team. I know the divisions are different now. They're not competing against everyone in uh, Canada, but that was a bad one. And I also think the Martin Jones one is going to come back to hurt the Flyers. You look at the Flyers and what they added, and they, their biggest issue was defense and goaltending. Well, they got defenders, and I'll give the Ellis credit. The Ellis deal, great. I don't know how Nashville didn't get more for him, but that's a great signing. But you see, Yandel's not great in his own zone. Um, Mr. Linen's not great in his own zone, a la what we saw Barzal do to him this past year for goal of the year. That was sick. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing, but he's not great in his own zone. Then you're like, okay, Carter Hart's going to have to be Carter Hart. Then they bring in Martin Jones to back him up. Who, Yeah, this is a make or break for Martin Jones, but the Flyers are clearly trying to contend here and make a run at being a playoff team again after a year removed from making the playoffs. And your biggest issues, you got players to fill it, but I don't think it helps you. And now you're going to have to rely on Martin Jones to win you like 15 games. The guy's been terrible. Yeah, San Jose hasn't been great and he's struggled, but he has not made really any big saves at all. And now Carter Hart's coming off an abysmal year. You think with the the goaltenders that were available in free agency that they'd bring in a reliable backup. Quite frankly, and I hate Braden Holpe, like I don't like him at all. I would have taken anyone over Martin Jones. Speaking of Holpe, going to the Dallas. Stars, that, yep. It's another issue, though, because Bishop's probably going to be hurt. It's, they have Kudobin. They have Kudobin. They have the other guy. So what is Holpe going to do? Well, this is the perfect role for him. As a fourth goalie? A third goalie? Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a low. I mean, even looking at the Jones deal, one year, two million, it's low risk. I just don't see how he's gonna have a bounce back year, especially because I don't think the Flyers got their defense to be that much better. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, 
They definitely added, right? Ryan Ellis is a good piece, but they added, like you said, they added more offensive-minded D-man. Ristolainen's kind of in the middle of both. I think he wants to be more of that big stay-at-home guy, and he has moments, but he hasn't been able to click. But anytime you have an Elaine Vigneault system, I'm sorry, it's just not going to cut it because Elaine Vigneault's system is literally get the lead and then play defense to try and, and salvage that lead. And with guys like, you know, these Ristolainen, Yandel, Ryan Ellis, who Ryan Ellis is very good, yeah, but uh, they don't have enough pieces outside of Provorov really that's going to help them. They moved Goss Beer, so it's going to be interesting. And I mean, I had a couple of signings that I liked, and there was one in particular that I didn't like, which I don't know if this is going to be common or not. But to start with the two that I liked, I'm going in goal. Right? I loved Allmark to Boston. I yeah, think that with the the question mark with Tukaras health and. You know, is he going to even retire, come back, all that stuff? They have Swayman, who they liked, and he's a young kid. But Olmark really impressed me with Buffalo. And I think you put him on a team that's actually competitive, and that might be a really good fit. They got him for, I think, five years or four years. Um, So they have him for a good amount of time. Starter money. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, that's probably what he is. Like, Swayman is developing still. So why not put Olmark in goal while they, now they're going to have three solid goalies. So I like that. And I also like Seattle going out and getting Philip Grubauer. Got I think that that was, you know, they made they got Jaden Schwartz, right? They they made a couple of moves where their team's not going to be as bad as we think. And we always talk about how the hardest position to solidify is goaltender. And they kind of did that. In an expansion draft. Exactly. And they did that, right? They they got Grubauer and now has free agency to start. You have a great backup in Drieger. And, I mean, you got the core two as your third string. So I like that move for them. The move that I hate, Zach Hyman. And I know that I, this is not going to be a common one, but to me... You hate it for you, what, the contract, or you think that he's not going to help them enough? Well, I think it's long-term. I think it's a, a too much money, and I think that he was a product of who he played with in Toronto. He was very good, though. Like he, I mean, he, granted, he's probably going to be playing with McDavid, yeah, so it'll I mean, work. But to me, he's a little bit overvalued. And I think you saw what, like, when the postseason came around, he was kind of invisible. And he's this very solid, hard-nosed player. But for Edmonton, they don't need hard-nosed players that aren't going to produce. They need players who can match the skill set of McDavid and Dreisaitl so that they could take the load off them a little bit. So I like the fit based on what he did in Toronto. I think the years and the term and all that is too long for somebody that's not going to be able to match the skill set of a McDavid and really help him. And their their whole thing, forget winning a cup. They're trying to keep McDavid and Drysaddle there as long as possible so that they could eventually get there. So uh, I don't know if I like that move. I also don't like the D'Angelo signing for oh, well, Carolina, but that's that a separate so one. <laughs> I just, well, first off, you heard that he spoke. He texted Ethan Bear. Mm-hmm. And he was like, apparently it was a good conversation, and Ethan Bear said never judge a book by its cover, some cliche like that. My whole thing is, why did Tony D'Angelo have to go text Bear? Like, well, I, I think I, he I've did heard, it. For a PR thing, yeah, I think so. Because if like if you shouldn't have to address something if it wasn't tr- like if Tony Angelo truly thought that he was like a good person and he was changed. Hey, by the way, I'm texting to let you know that I was a racist and I've said mean things, but not gonna happen anymore. Again, now I listen. Say. I mean, from all accounts in the Rangers locker room, he was liked, except when he made fun of Yuriev after. Self-care. Well, that was after a loss, and they both snapped. But I mean, we knew that that was his persona. So I'm not going to go out here and say he's a bad locker room guy. I mean, everyone else kind of says opposite. I mean, Mike and Ruff, you know, if you take and, the words of Mike Rupp. 
well, Mike Rupp said it, Bolesky said it on an Instagram comment. Like, there's people that are saying it. And, I mean, everyone was – you watched the videos from the team last year. Like, he was talking to everybody. It didn't seem like there was any bad blood. Miller kind of dismissed that whole racist yeah, thing. Yeah, the media hasn't really helped Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> no, no, correct. So, I think that him texting Ethan Bear is more of just trying to, like, calm everything down and he doesn't want anything to start because if he doesn't text smart. him – yeah, if he doesn't text him now and they go, Ethan, uh, have you talked to D'Angelo? And and he goes, no, he hasn't even reached out. Like Then more things just come up. Yeah. And they kind of walked themselves into that because they signed D'Angelo and then made the move for Bear, like back-to-back. Yeah. And you're like, okay, these moves just don't go together, right? <laughs> I mean, come on there. So they, they, they put him in that situation. But we'll see what happens, right? I, Sarah I mean, Siv, who covers the yeah. – um, covers the hurricanes is just not happy and she's no. been asking the hard-hitting questions like why would you sign tony i mean and that's her job and she feels very strongly about how tony angelo doesn't deserve to play hockey and it's all personal opinion but at the end of the day and it, it sucks if you hate the guy and what he stands for he's freaking good at what he does like he offensive defenseman he's very good he could put points up he's probably gonna help carolina he didn't cost that much so at the end of the day you know we see it in every a lot of sports. Yep. Off the field, sure. The whole reason they get signed and they play games is because they can help the team win. Yes, you want good people around you. It looks it's a bad look for Carolina, but once he starts producing, if he starts producing, and no other incidents happen, and probably more, probably no incidents will happen. I feel like again, it was really blown out of not out of proportion, but like everything Tony Angelo did was magnified. And then he had the election and the whole. I mean. Again, if Trump's not running, what do we find out exactly. about all this stuff? And that, but again, I also feel like you can't you can't penalize a player for his view. Like, no, you might not like his political view. Like, I necessarily don't like how far right he is. But at the same time, the whole foundation and principle of this country is that he has that freedom to yeah. express that. So it's hard to it's it's a really like a tightrope of a line. It's uh, also to, in a sport where racial inequality happens a lot, and you had a, you had a political debate about racial equality, and you have a player, a white player, who's very on the side of what Trump was all for. And again, it doesn't matter what your political beliefs are; it's it's a fact. He was very on that side, and for other players that were completely against him and didn't like what he, of course, they're going to hate him and think yep. he's crazy. And we saw that happen with the world, and you find out friends who. Who uh, voted for someone? Well, now you judge them that way, and again, which I don't is think just another discussion for another, another day, day because yeah. that's way too much yeah. political nonsense fuck, and screw, too much screw, stuff. Screw politics. <laughs> it is not, politics. The less we talk about politics, the better the world will be. So anyway, yeah. let's move on now because the opposite of politics is Ryan Reeves and what he does on the ice. It's lawless. Yeah, right? no. he's a savage <laughs> on the ice, yeah, and I so. I want to get this off my chest because, you know, we've created a mini platform here for ourselves to discuss about these things. And a lot of people are upset with the direction the Rangers have taken. And they're like, oh, it's counterproductive. You move Buchnevich and all you're bringing in is fourth line guys. They move Buchnevich not to bring in fourth line guys. They move Buchnevich because there is no physical way you're signing that guy when you have to sign the likes of Lafreniere, Adam Fox, Keandre Miller, Philip Edel, Capo Caco. The list goes on and on. Okay, you cannot sign Buchnevich to a six-year, $7 million deal, $5 million deal, whatever it would have been with all those guys coming up. So you have to lose people, right? I mean, you look at Tampa Bay. 
They had to lose somebody. They wound up losing Yanni Gore, Tyler Johnson. It happens to everybody. Exactly. So you cannot keep these guys if you really think the future is the truth. And just six months ago, all of Rangers Twitter was going up in arms. Oh, these young kids aren't playing enough. And these moves that Jury made literally give these kids the chance to play more, and they still have a problem with it. So that doesn't make sense. They had one issue. One issue was grit, right? You know the skills there. You know your goaltending's there. And you know your defense is on the come up. They finished top 10 in goals against last year. And that was before you added Nils Lundqvist and now Patrick Nemeth, who's a very good stay-at-home defenseman. So another, the, another year under the belt. of your For guys. all these young guys. And, oh, yeah, you have a Norris Trophy winner now <laughs> on your blue line, too. So their defense is on the come up. Please stop telling me that these moves hurt the future by any stretch of the imagination. If you have any faith in Lafreniere, Kako, Kratzoff, and Edel to take that jump, then their top six is really damn good. Their third line is really damn good. And, oh, yeah, now no one is going to mess with any of those young kids because their fourth line is full of guys that can bang too. So, please, these moves work. They work. Well, first off, the Rangers, let's say the Rangers kept Buchnevich and they didn't sign any of these big body guys or trade for them. And they have a great regular season. That's great. They're getting smoked in the playoffs because they don't have those pieces. Now, you added those pieces that are the Rangers as talented offensively as they were. Depends if you what happens with your prospects and your young players. They step up. Probably not going to be scoring as much. But again, it's, it depends upon the prospects. But if the Rangers can get to the postseason, now they got players that know what it takes to win in the postseason. Grit guys. A Ryan Reeve guys, a big hit, a big momentum boost in a playoff round, in a game one of a playoff series, or whatever game may be, could change the course of how that playoff series goes. Yep. That's why these guys are valuable. There's a reason, like, Ryan Reeves with Vegas. Yeah, he wasn't a great player, but you know what? He did his job. He fought when he had to. He laid big hits. Yeah, questionable hits now and again and through his career. But that's a guy that brings energy. You heard him on his Instagram Live or whatever he said when he was talking about New York. He's like, let's go, New York. What up? I'm mm-hmm. ready. He's ecstatic to be here, and he's going to protect your young guys. Who did the Rangers have before this that were going to was going to protect? The young it was guys? Smith or Truba. All right, and Smith's gone to Carolina. Yep. Truba is still here, but we saw what happened with the Wilson incident. How everybody fought. It was great. We love to see it. It was awesome. Now you got guys that could do that on a nightly basis. Those guys that stepped up and fought Wilson in that that line, whatever. Those weren't guys that usually go out there and fight. I know Blackwell even on his interview with Spin and Chicklets, I think he talked where he's like. Yeah, I mean, I got put out there. I didn't even know I was starting the game, and you got to do what you got to do. I mean, players have to do what they have to do in order to play and get paid and be in the lineup every night. Well, Ryan Reeves does what his job, and you're not going to like it, but Ranger fans are going to love it when they play game one. They play the Capitals, and him and Wilson drop the gloves, or him and Wilson get into it. You're going to love it as a Ranger fan. And someone said, I think it was Ryan Mead. I don't know how the Ranger season's going to go, but boys are going to be entertaining. We had Ryan Mead on. Great guest. He's not wrong. It's going to be entertaining, and again, Physicality is not something that we see a lot. We see it obviously in the regular season, but it's all about skill and playmaking and offensive and all the deeks and dangles, which the Rangers will have. And then when it comes down to postseason, it's okay. That's a bottom six. Your depth players have to step up, and the Rangers added those pieces to help them if they do make the playoffs. Exactly. And listen, there's an analytical twist to it, right? People now are big on analytics, and a lot of the analytical yeah. community doesn't like it. And I love analytics like the next person, right? But I also realize that hockey's a game that's not played on paper, it's played on ice. And there's certain things and components of the game that you won't get from an analytic chart. And somebody like a Jay Fresh Hockey, who I love to follow, I subscribe to his Patreon, which I recommend you do. Great stats, there's numerous ways to view it, right? He has the Rangers finishing second in his war projected model, and that's not going to happen. Right, because no. I mean that's not what we're going to take with a grain of salt here. But obviously the moves are working, and they're building a complete roster. And John Cooper, coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, 
was coach of Barkley Goudreau. This is what he had to say about Barkley Goudreau. And I've all Ferraris. Sometimes you need a good old fashioned four wheel drive Jeep. And um, that's to get you through the mud. And that's what uh, Barkley Goudreau can do for you. And he, uh, he just, he just makes, he creates room and space for guys. And like I said, he's just, it's hard to play against. He also knows what it takes to win. Correct. And that was the um, only point I wanted to make there. No, you're, again, we talked about it. The Rangers, when they went and played Carolina, got bullied. They got bullied by a team that wasn't even a big, big team. They, they didn't have the pieces that they need to, that needed, are needed in the postseason. You look at the Islanders. They have their fourth line that hits. The Lightning, their bottom six guys, oh, Goudreau, Killorn. They know what it takes to win. And you're bringing guys like that who have that demeanor, have that leader. I mean, I don't know what there are in the locker room, but guys that play the way that, like, Goudreau plays, hardworking, does those little things. I mean, that that's leading by example. And you need guys like that. And that's going to do a lot for the young guys because it's going to give them time and space to do what they have to do and not have to, you know, not to defend themselves. If they get, someone leaves a big hit on them, they have guys now, the Rangers have, to go and fight those guys, make a statement that they're not going to be bullied around, and that's going to do wonders in this division. It definitely will. And from another player that the Rangers just acquired to a player that's been on their radar for a while is Jack Eichel, oh, right? And he's kind of the the opposite of what they've been acquiring, all this grit and physicality, and now you would go out and potentially get somebody like an Eichel who's a bona fide superstar when healthy. And I know people are worried about his neck injury, which we're going to get into in a second, how Buffalo's mishandled that. But guess what? Yeah. If this guy's healthy, you're talking about one of what the top 10 centers in the whole entire National Hockey League. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. And he's still, and he's he's still 24. Growing, yeah, he's, he's 24 years old. He's a baby. So come on, man! I, if he's available, and now the price is dropping because of what's going oh, on, yeah. Buffalo. How do you not get him? You want to say that Eichel didn't help himself with trade because Buffalo? So, okay, this is what I want to say. Let's say Eichel wasn't hurt, right? Eichel wants out. Well, this isn't the NBA. You know, you can't just pick into you. I I'm no problem with Buffalo saying, "Listen, Jack, you signed a deal to be here long term. We don't have to trade you. I know you don't want to be here." We, we drafted you high. There's a reason like we brought you in. We don't want to just get rid of you. We want to wait for the right trade. And I would say, you know what, Jack, you, you didn't have to sign a long-term extension to be here. You could yep. have signed a short-term deal and said, listen, let's see what happens in two to three years. I don't know why on earth anyone would trust them for a long-term deal. But he signs that long-term deal, and now he's stuck. My problem now, though, is he's able to get a surgery now, especially what his agent said, a surgery right now that would have him ready to go for this season. And Buffalo is not letting him do that. Now, that's... I don't know if that's a breach of contract. Again, I don't, I don't read the fine print. I don't even read the terms and conditions when I sign my iPhone shit, my iPhone stuff. But uh, this is wrong. You, this is wrong because Jack Eichel wants to be healthy and wants to play. The sport needs Jack Eichel to play, quite frankly. You're not letting him, getting him a surgery that's going to benefit him in his career. I mean, you're wasting valuable time. Uh, sport careers are never guaranteed. I could play two or three more years and have a bad injury and never play again. Yep. You're cutting his career short if you don't let him get the surgery – and you're ruining his chance of playing next year. And that's that's a lot of mental stuff for a player to deal with, especially with Eichel, what he dealt the whole year. Yeah. And for a player that's under contract, right? Yeah. I understand that the Sabres have a say in mm. what he does. If it was some outlandish medical procedure that all of a sudden he's going to come in and you don't know what the repercussions of that are going to be, okay, you could have something. But, I mean, when you look at the like the statement that the agent made, yeah. it was a recommendation from an independent neurosurgeon other spine specialists consulted, and it's the surgery that he feels most comfortable having. All that said, okay, obviously the surgery is recommended by specialists who know a lot more than anybody does. Whatever, 
the Sabres have a say, and I yeah. understand that. But he says, like later on, his agent says, we are under the impression that the Sabres specialist was in agreement with the artificial disc replacement surgery until that was no longer the case. So if their specialist was saying it's okay and all of a sudden the Sabres said, okay, you got to change your mind, like we don't like this, then you're talking about some fishy stuff. But again, we don't like this from the Sabres' point of view. It has no bearing. What do you, if, if he gets the surgery now, isn't his value high because he could play this season? You would think, but I guess that there's there's always risk to going into the knife. Every surgery. And maybe there's an alternative like route to recovery that might take longer but doesn't involve surgery that they want or it's a less but he does, but invasive he's not surgery. But he's on the Sabres, so why do they care? Because be he done. might be. Like, he they they be. do have the NSA. I know, but he doesn't want to – your captain Until doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be part of your organization. So bringing it, him back is going to hurt your organization. Now, the more I think about it, the more I think he's going to wind up in Vegas because Alex Tuck just got hurt. Out, yeah. And now his salary goes on long-term IR. They're going to be able to make more room and, and manipulate that a little bit. And the Sabres have discussed that they don't want him to be in the East. But listen, if the Rangers have to overpay by one player to beat out Vegas and you, you know that it. there's a surgery that you can guarantee this guy is going to be healthy for the start of the season, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. And guarantees are the wrong word because, like, there are no guarantees in anything. But, I mean, if multiple neurosurgeons are telling you something, those guys have a lot more schooling than me did. And they went to school before it was Zoom University, so I trust their opinions a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, let's let the guy get the surgery and bring him in. I just – first of all, the Sabres are now going to have trades when they're trading top guys that they're not going to get the most they possibly could have gotten for them. We saw what happened with the Hall trade. I mean – they didn't get anything. Quite frankly, Hall wasn't great, but they dropped the ball on that. And now Eichel's, I mean, I feel for Eichel and the agent. Like, listen, we've been asking for this. Oh, why do you have to go public probably what the Sabres are saying? Why don't we just hand? Because you're not doing it. You're not getting it done. You've been saying you want to trade. The, this guy wants to be traded. He wants out. You're not going to get a surgery that's going to repair his neck, a vital part of his body, not just to play hockey, to live. I'm assuming he's in pain. Like, I'm assuming it's not just hockey related. He's probably in pain every day when he wakes up. With a neck injury, let him get the freaking surgery and stop. Stop. I don't know what I don't know what the Sabers are trying to do here. Like what? What we don't want to trade you. He doesn't want to play for you. That and that's the Sabers' fault for not bringing in pieces that help him be better. I know. Yeah, Skinner didn't pan out. That that sucks. Hall didn't really pan out with him, but he didn't really help at all the whole entire time. You just didn't make big moves, and it happens when you have also. I'm sorry. Look at Toronto and Matthews. He's, he was surrounded by great people. I guess had to be on his own, and he's been great. But he needs more help, and I mean, look at McDavid. The same thing can be said, but he's got dry, so he's got pieces there that they could score. Scoring's not the issue, but for Eichel... And it's not a dysfunctional environment. But you look at the Sabres, they drop the ball over and over again. They hire new management, and they're still having these issues. It's like, it might be a good thing for the Sabres to trade and get the prospects they want back and start over. With a new management, a new team, draft who you want. Yeah, Eichel's a fantastic player. It's going to suck for the fans that he has to be dealt. But you put yourself in this situation. It's not Eichel's fault. So, Elliot Friedman, 31 Thoughts podcast. Yeah. I'm sure the majority of the hockey community listens to that, obviously, because they were one of the two that was ahead of us when we hit number three. But um, <laughs> they, yeah. he actually had an interview with a doctor and kind of went into it because they're geniuses and what they do. And, I mean, if we were smart, maybe we could reach out to a doctor and get somebody on to explain the differences. But if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it because it gives you insight as to the options and, and why this surgery that Eichel's requesting is the proper choice. And it kind of shows you that 
you know, even from a medical perspective, it, it's the better choice for what he has. So Buffalo hasn't even commented on the issue. They're not like, going to. They're not going to. The agents are coming out publicly because they want to get the media on their side, which it looks like it's working, right? I mean, I know when I tweeted out that this is more of a humane issue, somebody was like, don't be so dramatic. But <laughs> it's not being dramatic. Obviously, he signed a contract, and they have rights like I just mentioned. But there's difference between having rights and working with somebody. If Artemi Panarin was in need of getting a surgery, and there was a surgery that multiple people consulted on. Multiple people said this is the better option, and it wasn't what the Rangers initially wanted. I, I would like to believe that the Rangers would say, okay, if this many consultants are going with it, let's let you get the surgery so that we could have you back in our lineup come next that's season. That's the thing. You want him back in the lineup if he's going to be healthy. I just – what does this show for agents? That Buffalo's trying to build a new thing, a new um, – you know, what people think of the Sabres. They don't want to think of failure, failure. They're trying to build a new thing there. This shows you that they don't take care of their own players. What free agent – just get rid of record or anything. What freedom wants to go to a team that's not going to take care of their players? None. Okay, so the way they handled this didn't just ruin Eichel staying in Buffalo. It's ruined any possible chance of landing players because where's the trust that the organization is going to take care of you if you get hurt? What is it? Eichel's insurance doesn't cover the surgery? Like, it's uh, just a bad look. You're hurting. There's, it's not just Eichel here. No t- player is going to want to play for an organization that proves over and over again that they can't take care of their own players. Star players. It's, it's, it's uh, not like this is a fourth line, a fourth line fringe starter at the NHL level. This is your superstar Jack Eichel you can't care of. Most players around the league aren't at Eichel's level. They're not coming there. And then Buffalo's going to be bad, and they're going to be bad, and then they're going to draft players. And if this continues, they're just going to be one of those teams that, like Arizona. Oh, okay, you're getting better, better up, trade it away. Like, just keep, it's just terrible. Well, Buffalo sounds like a great place to play as long as you don't get injured. So, um, and you like losing. <laughs> and, and you like losing. Um, I was actually listening to Chicklets yesterday and they had an agent on. I forgot his name, but he was like, he would talk to Ryan O'Reilly. And Ryan O'Reilly was always, when he was on Buffalo, was texting him when the Worlds were going to be and when they were going because he always knew he wasn't going to be in the playoffs. And I just was like, that's so funny. But. The Devils, right? The the forgotten Tri-State area team made a little big of a splash. Yeah, uh, they did. Dougie Hamilton, they gave him the bacon over there. And it, it's interesting to, to see this move happen for the Devils because I don't think that even with the acquisition of him and Bernier and bringing in Ryan Graves that they're necessarily at that level to compete in the Metro yet. There's still too many good teams in front of them. And, but they're one of the teams on the rise. Like the Rangers are probably the closest team that's been in the rebuild to getting back into the postseason. But if I had to pick, it's the Devils right now that are just one step behind them based on what they've done. I think the Rangers had enough luck with Panarin, and they were able to get him in there that that, that keeps them a little bit above them right now. But they're, they're making some big moves, and they're really putting in work there to, to get back to contention. I love the Bernier signing. Because you look at Blackwood and Bernier is feeling the hole that Crawford was supposed to play last year. Before Corey Crawford retired, his mind wasn't in it 100%. Kudos to him because, you know, if your mind's not 100% in it, it's not fair to your team and yourself, quite frankly. You don't want to cheat yourself. So they bring in a backup in Bernier, who's on a bad Detroit team, has actually been pretty freaking good. And he's showcased it and he is going to be a mentor. He reminds me of like a Brian Elliott for Brian Elliott for Hart, where he was like that backstop. I know Elliott wasn't great the last couple of years. I think he's a little older than Bernier, but Bernier brings stability. And Blackwood's probably going to take another step. Blackwood's a great goaltender. I have no doubt that he's going to be... I don't know if he'll ever be a premier 
top 10 goal in the NHL, but he'll be good enough to be on a championship team if the Devils ever get to that point. The Devils have leaders in that locker room. I know everyone talks about P.K. Subban's antics off the rink, but he sounds like a great locker room guy. I mean, they bring in Hamilton, who said that he signed there because he wants. He thinks he could be a leader there. And that's huge. You have yeah. so many young guys. The Devils are a team that pretty much everyone's 25 and under, besides a couple of players. They, they have a very, very young team that's going to take that next step and grow. They, they drafted Jack Hughes' brother, who I think is going to go back to Michigan though and play a couple of years. I think that's what he said. We don't know yet, but they're a very young team. You want leaders. You bring Dungy Hamilton on a seven-year deal. He's going to be there for quite some time. And it, it's funny. Everyone's like, well, he bounces around. There must be something wrong. I take it the opposite. He bounces around because so many teams want him. There's so many things he does well. The fact that he hasn't been signed long-term from teams is questionable. But Dougie Hamilton's a very good defenseman. He'll help that defensive line, and that'll help Blackwood in part. And I just think the signings they've made, while it hasn't been a lot of them, I think they're pretty good for what they have to do. I don't think they're ready for the playoffs. I do agree, but it's definitely a step forward. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When you want an easy way to feel like a chef in your own home, try Blue Apron's two and four serving menu plans so you're always cooking something new and enjoying fresh seasonal ingredients. Choose from an ever-changing mix of premium recipes, chef favorites, family-friendly options, WW recommended, and more. Get $130 off across your first six orders, plus your first order ships free when you visit blueapron.com slash blueculinary. Yeah, it definitely is. And I mean, I just said it. They're going in that right direction. And it, whenever the Devils are good, it makes Tri State area hockey more well, fun because yeah. those rivalries can get great. And I mean, the last time they were really at that peak, they beat the Rangers in the what? Eastern Conference final yeah, in 2012. That was Henrique, right? And that was, yep, when Brad Richards decided instead of clearing the puck to go on his knees and try to play goalie. Oh, yeah, that will be engraved in my head for a long time. But. <laughs> That, like those were fun, right? And yeah. it's the same thing with the Islanders right now. As much as we go at it on the ice and you know all the fans go at it on social media, if the Islanders are bad and the Rangers are good or vice versa, it's not as fun. No, right? you want all these teams competitive except the Flyers because I can't stand them. Right? <laughs> I would agree with that. If they fell off a cliff, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even bat an eye. No, but, but it's, it's you us. want hockey, you want New York, especially the Islanders and Rangers. Yes, doesn't matter what the records are when the teams play, it's going to be fun. But when you're neck and neck, we saw this past season where there, it was kind of close towards the end that oh, if, if the Rangers had Panarin for a little longer, it might have been real close to one team being in and one team being out from the last like week or so. That's fun. And they met so many times last year too, which is crazy, and it won't be the same this year. But, yeah, you want hockey in New York and in the Tri-State area to be very good because if it's very good, it just makes it better for everyone. Yeah, and of course, one team's probably going to be in or out, or two teams might be, but it's going to be fun to be in the Devils. Listen, the Devils, uh, you look at the Islanders, Rangers, and Devils, and the Devils are probably that team that are below both. But eventually, these teams are probably all going to be really good at the same time, and I don't remember the last time that really happened. Yeah, you, I mean, you would think the way that it's trending, right? The Islanders are the the older, like, veteran out of the three, but they still have enough time where they they're going to be good Where when both other teams are getting to that point. So it definitely will be fun. And I, I don't know about you, but the schedule release came out, right? 
and the Islanders and Rangers play four times. And I was like, where's the next four? Right. Cause yeah. so now I'm used to the eight meetings, but uh, that will be fun watching those games. And they were all like, you got two in November and then the next two, two aren't until right? later on. So yeah, they're, they're going to, they're going to have serious value um, later on the season. And I mean, before we continue to talk about the Islanders. Yeah. Four of the first five picks from the University of Michigan in the NHL draft. I mean, that's that's absurd. It's a good and <laughs> right now it is. But, I mean, you look at the NHL draft. I didn't watch it, didn't pay attention. I would have lost a ton of money betting if the Rangers were going to trade that pick because I thought in no way, shape, or form were they taking it. But they wound up taking Brett Othman, who from all accounts was not the best player available, but people say he has some potential and I don't know. The last time the Rangers did something like that, it was Leah Anderson, and we know where that ended up. So I'm not really holding much uh, stake into brutal. it. That was yeah, brutal. not not a good one, but whatever. I mean, you the live guy, and you learn. But the guy that the Islanders drafted, I think, it was 52nd, Roddy. Is yeah, that was. I wanted the Rangers it. to take him first he, off. Atu Roddy was the number one overall prospect a years until ago. a couple recently. years ago. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Two years ago, he was a top prospect. Then he has two bad years. Well, what's happened over the last two years that could have could have attributed to the fact that he struggled? I don't know the coronavirus. And while physically, we don't know if he, I don't think he had it, but a lot of players it takes a mental toll on you, and that might have been all it was for two years, just struggling. I don't know. It could have been whatever you wanted to be, but now he's proving he's leading the tournament. He seems to collect points every single day. He's on a revenge tour right now. Yeah, he's going nuts. I, I mean. Islander uh, beat reporters and we're talking high on Roddy like oh please hope he falls he falls he falls now he's showing I know it's one tournament a small sample size but if this guy get back on track he's a center probably a number two or a number three probably never a number one but oh boy that's a huge pickup for the Islanders who didn't have a first round pick because of all the trades they've made and stuff so that that would be key especially in the Islanders system where they don't have a lot of premier prospects this guy Roddy could turn things around and be like a legitimate prospect that's great yeah, it was definitely when I saw like the alert Islanders yeah. draft Friday. I think it was fifty second overall. Fifty second, yeah. I was like, oh my god, he fell that far because we were talking about somebody that was in the contention to be taken in the, the top three in the NHL draft. So tremendous fall. I mean, it looks like a great move for the Islanders right now because that's not even prospect, a risk. So. Hey, of it's course, risk, it's prospect, yeah. but somebody that was that highly touted that fell. Yeah, if you're going to get him at fifty second, why not take the chance that he could reclaim what? You know, made him that highly touted the que- prospect. The question is, why didn't the first fifty teams think of taking him? Well, Correct, fifty-one. Excuse That's me. That's definitely like, a red flag. There's right? obviously the Islanders aren't the only ones that knew about his past. I think what it was is, well, we have this pick, we might as well take him because let's see. Like, how far do you think he would have fallen if he wasn't taken by the Islanders? That's a great question. I, I probably think now. that the reason they took him was because there was probably wind yeah. that somebody else around that time was going to take him. But because he's I mean, very talented. Oh, yeah. And he's showing it right now. I mean, he's got a, we'll say, a great shot when he cuts across the uh, neutral zone and shoots back. I mean, he looks like he has a great shot, physical guy. I mean, it's, again, it's a prospect. It's a small sample size, but the Islanders look like they did some good things there with that pick in the draft. But we'll see what happens. We'll see how he does. I know he's going back to play for the team he played for last year. He's not coming over yet, but young guy still, so we'll see what happens. Well, they don't need him to come over yet. He's not going to make the team anyway. They, no. They're kind of solidified at least once what do you mean Lou Lamarillo wakes what do you mean up. They yeah. anybody yet. No, I, uh, do you think they're going to get Tarasenko? No. I think it's probably Jersey or Philly. I just don't. I don't. You didn't, you didn't see the Ranger connection? 
I no, there's definitely a Ranger connection with the Russians. I don't know. If he goes to Philly, just God help me. Just, I can't with. I mean, it's good for Philly. I guess we'll see what happens. I hope. I don't wish upon injury on anyone. I just hope he would fail with the Flyers, just because I, I really can't stand them. And I think that they might be bringing in way too much. That's not gonna. Again, none of that helps them defensively, which is their issue. So the great Tarasenko is great, but I I truly believe that Tarasenko is one hit away from his career being over. One hit to his shoulder. Again, three after three shoulder surgeries. I'm sorry. You can't be 100% healthy. Maybe you'll be 90%, 85%. There's no way you're 100% healthy, especially the way he said that they've botched his surgeries. There's no way. The risk the risk is there. And, of course, well, let's see the medical records. Every team wants to see that. But you won't know until training camp, if you do acquire him, how good is he going to be. And if, what if you give up too much to get Tarasenko? Like, I know the asking price is definitely coming down. Yeah, why do you think he's still there? No, exactly. And, you know, there's been rumors that, okay, potentially – the Islanders could go to Seattle and trade uh, a forward for Vince Dunn, get him on defense, and then bring in a bring in Tarasenko. Because again, if the Islanders are getting rid of offense, I'm sorry, if they're getting rid of offense for defense, I know I wrote an article about Bavillier that there's been talks from other teams that are interested. If you're going to give Bavillier up for a defenseman, you have to have a corresponding move ready, not in the works, ready to bring a forward back. Because quite frankly, yeah, Bavillier is a streaky guy, and I spoke about it in my article. You can check it on NY Hockey now. He's streaky as heck, but he's produced in big moments for the Islanders and his offense. I think in the playoffs the last two years is twenty. He's contributed twenty percent of the Islanders' goals the last two postseason runs. That both ended in semifinal losses to the Lightning. That's a ton of. That's a player that's really come through. And again, streakiness is going to happen. You want to see him less streaky this season. Definitely more consistent, especially he's an RFA. We'll see what his contract comes in on. But you you can't make that deal unless if you if you swap Bavillier for Vince Dunn. Tarasenko's got to be coming the other way. A player yeah. of that magnitude. But again, do you trust that Tarasenko is going to be healthy enough and be the guy that he was? Or is he going to be a you know, a, a second, third line forward that's not going to be the sniper that he used to be? Again, we have no idea until we see him playing and until we see him take a big hit. He takes a big hit and is slow to get up. Uh-oh, you know what's going to be said. So a lot of teams probably don't want to risk that. But New Jersey gets him. That's great for New Jersey. I think that would help them a lot. Him alongside Jack Hughes. That's 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 a good pairing, and him is. I mean, look at the the Flyers. I just don't see the Islanders getting him. I think the Islanders, what they're going to do is they're going to try to get defensemen. If not, they'll probably have to trade for one. Their free agents have really come off the board. Defen- yep. like, I, I forgot who was talking about. It. I'll steal the line. I can't credit. It. I'm sorry, but like, a lot of the meat and potato guys. I think it was uh, Biz Nasty was saying a lot of the meat and potato guys are getting paid. Like the guys that bottom bottom tier defensemen that are, are are good at what they do. They don't really stand out for good reason or bad, are getting paid. And they came off the board. A lot of guys went bye-bye. And you'd think, okay, what about Zdeno Char? Last resort, maybe you bring him back full circle. I know he was drafted by the Islanders, played for a couple of teams, Ottawa, Boston, Capitals. Has he come back in his age 44 season? I guess it's last resort, but you don't you, you don't want that. That's not like, I don't think that's, a, that's like, oh, yes, let's get Char. I know Char is waiting and he's ready, he's working out, and he wants to play. But the reason that he left Boston is because he didn't want to be a... He didn't want to be a seventh defenseman. Now, they don't have Nick Letty. The Islanders lost him. They need to fill that role. I think you only bring in Char if he is a seventh defenseman. I don't think you want him in the lineup playing every night. Could he do it? He did it with the Capitals. Like He probably could. I don't know. It's tough. But, again, back to your point. I don't think the Islanders get Tarasenko. I just think – I don't think what they're doing is wrong. I, I just wouldn't take the chance, especially what the asking price could be. You don't want to get rid of any guys that are going to – you know, you're this close to winning a cup. You don't want to get rid of key players that got you to that point for a question yeah. mark. No, you're you're right, and if they don't say they don't make moves, right? Yeah. Are you nervous at all 
about the Islanders this no, upcoming season. I'm not nervous at all because, well, I, again, I don't really know how to explain to people. And, again, they're smart fans and they're dumb. And I'm not saying I know better than any of them because I definitely don't. But if the Islanders – okay, first off, in the bag, Parise, Palmer, I'm pretty sure are already signed. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they've been signed for weeks. The reason Lou Amarillo is not saying anything is for one clear reason. If you announce who you signed and the terms, then players can gauge how much cap, cap room you have left. And they could offer free, like you know, they could be like, "Oh, Sezikis, we'll give you more than that." Whatever. It sounds like Sezikis wants to stay. I know um, there've been reports Seattle was heavy on him, Toronto, and he wants to come back. But once you announce who you signed, teams can gauge how much money you actually have, and you don't know how that would affect anything. So that's why Lamarillo keeps it a secret, and there's a reason he's GM of the year because he gets the deals done and it helps the team. But if they sign Parise, they sign Palmieri. they sign Sezikis, all the RFAs come back. You know, minus Dalco, obviously they didn't give him a qualifying offer. The Islanders are better because Lee's coming back. And everyone's forgetting, well, they're how does it better. make... They're better. They're not I don't, better. I think they're better. I'm not saying they're going to win a cup now. I'm saying they are... You lost Everly, you brought in Palmieri. Swap. Right? No, but Everly played with Palmieri. I also believe that Wallstrom takes a big step this year. I have a lot of faith in Wallstrom taking a okay. big step. And I don't know if he'll play top six minutes just because the way Trotz operates. But I love the Parise signing for the power play and just what he brings. He's a leader. and I think Anders Lee comes back healthy. It's not even a matter of who the Islanders bring in. It's about consistency. There were too many guys on the Islanders' offense that would go 10, 12 games without scoring a goal or impacting the scoreboard at all. It's like, well, they need to add scorers. No, they don't. They need the players they have to produce at a higher rate. And now that comes down to, well, are those players like a Bavillier, like a Nelson, are they just always going to be streaky players? Because if that's the case, then it doesn't matter. They're always going to be like that. Yeah, you got to bring people in. But there's no reason why Bavillier can't can't figure it out and be more consistent. Brock Nelson, if your top six guys can start to produce at a higher rate, then you don't need that sniper to come in because the offense is going to be much better. I truly believe if Wallstrom gets the minutes on the power play, gets top six minutes, you know, we know how the Islanders operate. If he's playing on the third line with Pajot and Parise, it's not going to be the stereotypical third line minutes. I have a lot of faith that Wallstrom could become that sniper the Islanders have been longing for. He just needs the opportunity to prove it. And he got limited opportunity last year. He was on the starting when the postseason. He got hurt. It stunk, but he looked great. And it's a, I feel like it's about that. I feel like the Islanders don't... Getting Tarasenko would be great. Again, it depends what you give up. But I don't think the Islanders got worse because they let Eberle go to Seattle and they brought in bottom six players or whatever you want to call it. I don't think they got worse. I think it's going to come down to consistency. If the Islanders players on offense can be consistent like they've shown they could in the past, the Islanders are going to be better. But if it's the same thing happens where... Pavilion is going 20 games without a goal. Brock Nelson, those Pajot's quiet and doesn't do anything. No, they're not going to be better. They're probably going to s- struggle to score goals. We saw the last two uh, regular seasons. The Islanders' offense was hit or miss. Some nights they were great, but most of the time it wasn't. They get to the postseason, they light it up, they figure it out. But you, you're waiting for the Islanders to become a regular season elite team. They're an elite postseason team. I'm going to say it. They're, they know how to play in the postseason and win. And uh, if it wasn't to running up against the best of the best back-to-back years, they probably got two. They might have back-to-back cups. You never know. But it's a back. we need to see regular season success because I truly believe if the Islanders finish the year where they were heading to, having one of those top two spots, getting home ice advantage, they win game seven against Tampa. I think they do. That crowd, they probably win game seven, and we don't know what happens. Again, you can't predict in the hockey but it's about regular season consistency for me. And if the Islanders come out of the gate slow on this 13-game road trip, they're in trouble. I just think that they're the moves they made haven't made them worse. It's about the players that already have stepping up if they're going to be better or not. Yeah, well, Brock Nelson's 29. If he hasn't found consistency yet, he's not going to. But the f- problem is when he's hot, he's fu- he's unreal. He's That's unreal. called he streaky. To, 
I know, and the Islanders have too many streaky guys. The exactly, fact is you bring so you have Tarasenko, to move one of those streaky guys to get somebody that's consistent. But you can't move Bavillier for a defenseman and then get a forward back that's not... like Bavillier has, The problem is Bavillier's potential. I did the math on the statistics. Or don't move Bavillier. Move a Nelson. They're not going to move a Nelson. They maybe move a Bailey. But then, like, everyone hates Bailey, don't get me wrong. He gets the assists. And yes, you want to say how, how important are secondary assists... Well, without the secondary assist, you probably don't have the primary assist, and you probably don't have the goal. They're equally as important. I'm not saying there's an emphasis on secondary assists, but Josh Bailey, from all the crap he's dealt with, has contributed in regular season, and he's contributed in the postseason. He's been one of those guys. You're moving him for, again, a question mark in Tarasenko. You don't know what you're getting from Tarasenko. You want to keep the core intact, the guys that got you to this point. I just, again, it's it's a risk that Lamarillo's the best in the business. He's going to do what he needs to do. But if he doesn't think it's worth the risk to get rid of one of those guys and thinks that, okay, I believe in this team and the young guys and the veterans and the group I got today, why is he going to risk and make a move he doesn't want to make and that has, uh, like, you give up, let's say you give up a Brock Nelson for a Tarasenko and Tarasenko is terrible and Nelson goes off where he is. Was it worth it? Probably not. But again, that's every trade you make. It's not worth it until you see what happens over a large sample size of like an 82-game season. Correct. So you actually, you made the point that I was going to make where they are an elite postseason team that's looking for that consistency in the regular season. Yeah. And that's the one reason that I'm nervous for the Islanders this year, right? Is because we talked about the Rangers are getting better. The Flyers added. So you got to think they're going to be a little more consistent than they were last year. The Devils got a little bit better. You're adding Carolina to this division. You still have the Capitals, the Penguins there that are going to be thorns in the side. Columbus. I don't know. Devils. I'm not sure yet, but in order for them to make the postseason, they're going to have to not have one of those stretches where they have 15 games and then become a, an average team to below no, average can't. team the rest of the regular season. And they were the fourth seed last year in the East. They were somebody that the year before that, before the hiatus was starting to cool we're down terrible. too, and then they turned it up after. So they know how to turn it up once the postseason starts. They but the only there. thing is that the 82-game season we hope is full this year will they be able to not have that stretch where they go so cold that when you do have those 12 extra games as opposed to the 70 that two years ago and you know instead of 56 you're playing 82 so you're playing 26 more games will the other teams be able to catch them that's the one part that i'm not sure of yet and i think that once they get in like as much as i hate to say this they're a cup contender no matter what no matter where they finish one to eight but it's getting in that worries me just yeah. because of their last two years, the inconsistency you see towards the end of the season. And you look at the inconsistencies, and there's there's blame to go to every player, but you have back-to-back years where key members of your lineup got injured two years ago. Your best defenseman who the whole NHL didn't realize how important Pelic was until he went down, and offensive numbers went down, goals against went up. He was out of the lineup. They looked terrible. And then they survive, make the playoffs, go on their run, fall short. Then you look at last year. You don't only lose your leading scorer at the time. You lose your first-line winger and yep. your captain. And again, hockey's every team goes through injuries. It just so happens that the Islanders lost their top, pretty much probably their top two players. You know, one of their top the top two players, we can say whatever we want, their captain and their best defenseman in back-to-back years, and no one stepped up. Now, the Islanders had Komarov on the top line. What did... Again, I hate everyone was going off on Komarov. He didn't be asked to play on the top line, and he did what he's good at, which is playing defensive-minded, killing penalties. He is not going to score goals. It doesn't matter how many times Barzal sets him up. He has never once at the NHL level showed that he could score goals. So I know what Trotz was doing. 
He didn't want to mess up his other lines. Did it hurt the team? I mean, Downers played well in the postseason. He didn't score goals. It's it is what it is. But you look at players need to step up. And now I'm not saying the Islanders are going to have an injury-free season. That's damn near impossible. But you hope now that the injuries are behind Anders Lee. Towards ACL, it's a, usually a freak injury. Pellick's healthy. This lineup looks healthy. You're getting guys in and you're adding players back that could play key parts. If they stay healthy, I think they'll have a they have the regular season that they need to have to prove to the teams around the league that, hey, it's not just about the postseason. We could be a top team in the regular season and help our chances. Again, it's going to come down to those players stepping up. And if someone does go down, you can't play under 500 hockey in the second half of a regular season, an 82-game season. You can't do it. You need to bring that consistent effort. And I think, I tr- again, the, the trust in Trotz is there. Does Lemuel make a few moves beforehand? We don't. Again, nothing has been announced. They never even announced officially that they signed Andy Green to, to leave him exposed in the expensive draft. That wasn't announced. So is there a trick up uh, Lamarillo's sleeve? Does he acquire a top four defenseman? Who knows? Do they let, trust one of the young guys to come in and step it up? It, you know, it's hard to determine how good this Islanders team is going to be with the holes they have now because do, do I think Boldick and Salo are ready to take steps defensively, the prospect they have? Probably not. And again, we know how Trotz loves to use his veterans over rookies. You can't see Braden Coburn can't come into this lineup and play defense. He's uh, abysmal. You don't again, Char. You don't want a forty-five-year-old in there as a stability. I mean, Letty's a puck-moving defenseman. You'd like to bring in a puck-moving defenseman. So it's hard to gauge how good the Islanders are going to be this season without knowing exactly who was signed and for how much. And health again, health has been the biggest issue. That's what's led to the mediocrity back-to-back regular seasons. But I think if they're healthy, they got depth. They got depth, and they have scoring depth. And I'm not saying Parise is going to have a bounce back year and score 25, 30 goals. But they'll definitely produce more, and Pajot is going to be healthy. Pajot just had he had surgery a couple weeks ago to, to, I think it was on his wrist or his hand. You know, it's all about health. And if they can stay healthy, they're going to be a top team in the division. It just matters if someone goes down, who's going to step up, because no one's really answered the bell the last two years. Yeah. All I know is that there's going to be a lot of excitement going on this season, right? We got the fans back in the building, God willing. We got the 82-game season coming up. We got divisions that are going to be back to normal. We got the Kraken coming into the league. We got teams that are adding and subtracting. We have the Eichel impending trade that we don't know where he's going to go. Odds are he's either going to go out west or he's going to come into the Metropolitan Division. So there's so much going on. Tarasenko could come into this division to one of multiple teams, and it's going to be an awesome look just to see when the puck drops on, I believe it's October 12th, just what's going to be happening throughout this league over the course of an 82-game season, the first in two years. So when we come back on the back check next week, it might be a little different, but for this episode, we still got the Eichel rumors swirling. We still got everything going on, and we thank you for sticking with us on this edition of the Backcheck. The Backcheck is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of the Backcheck. Follow the show on social media at BackcheckPod. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. 
That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom Alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with Alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.